trust the movement, I negate the chaos, uplift the negative, I'll show up at the table again. Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Atticus Gardner and Duck Bardis, protest medics, street medics, the volunteers that are there for you and me, anyone who may get hurt during a street protest. Atticus Garden resides in Columbus on the South Side, where he is serving his second term as area commissioner, representing the wonderful, beautiful, and diverse neighborhood of Southern Orchards, District 2. Atticus was first introduced to street medics during his time at Standing Rock Reservation in 2016, where he spent two months at the Oshete Sakawin camp, providing medical aid during the historic gathering of tribes, allies, and people of all walks of life, standing in solidarity to halt the Dakota Access Pipeline. Inspired by these events and people, Atticus has spent the last four years providing medical aid at protests, demonstrations, and community events all over the U.S., North Dakota, Los Angeles, D.C., New York City, and predominantly Columbus, where he has supported over several hundred events. Duck Bardis has spent many years in grassroots politics in Ohio. They received training in the winter of 2016 at Standing Rock and have volunteered to provide first aid at countless protests since, notably during the George Floyd protests in Columbus and in the autonomous zone at the George Floyd Memorial in Minneapolis. Duck also volunteers on the board of Frontline Wellness, an NGO that coordinates medical care for high-risk activists. The murder of George Floyd on Memorial Day triggered mass street protests worldwide for Black Lives Matter. Most protests are peaceful, some of them escalate into violence. When violence does occur, who is there to help the folks exercising their First Amendment right to peacefully protest? Who is there for the folks standing up for justice when they are harmed? The street medics, welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. I've been watching you two online, and I, I know Atticus from um, former um, events, and, and I've been following because I also went to Standing Rock after you all were there. I'd like you to tell our listeners why you became a street medic. Let's start with you, Atticus. Sure. I uh, had uh, formerly been working on U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders' campaign, where I had the opportunity to meet you, Carolyn, and work alongside of you here in Columbus. And that's when I first became aware of the events that were occurring at Standing Rock as the senator was, was quite vocal in his support of the uh, uh, resistance to the pipeline, as well as native rights, uh, and had even met with uh, tribal leadership. And so following his, um, uh, following uh, the Democratic National Convention, I went on to work for an environmental super PAC called Next Gen Climate here in Columbus, which at its best was working to elect climate champions um, and of course, uh, following the November election, which was defeating for uh, anyone, uh, particularly those working in environmental rights, uh, knowing uh, where now President Trump stands on the environment, uh, particularly uh, pipelines like the Dakota Access Pipeline, uh, I just felt defeated and felt the need to use my hands and heard the calls from Standing Rock to come and, and bear witness to what was happening out there. 
And so a couple of days later, I, I hopped in my car and, and a, a couple other uh, coworkers of mine from NextGen uh, went out with me. And I had only intended to be out there for a week. Uh, however, the first full day out there, we uh, took a caravan of about 100 cars from Ocheti Shikoan camp down to Bismarck uh, for my first action out there. And I hopped in a car of a random stranger with a group of people I had never met. And we were told to place any personal effects to leave them in the car in case, of course, we were arrested um, so that they'd, they'd be safely held uh, uh, somewhere. Well, after about an eight-hour action down in Bismarck, we got back to the camp, which held about 10,000 people at that moment and covered many, many acres of land. And I jumped out of the car, uh, energized with my adrenaline rushing, and I left my car keys in the car. And so... Uh, I, uh, it, it turned into a, a couple weeks charade, uh, and ultimately uh, I got introduced to the medical wellness space, uh, which was a space uh, at uh, um, the, the main camp, there were three, but at Ocheti Shikoan camp, which was the main medical wellness space. And I was unaware of street medics, street medicine, mutual aid. These were not terms that I knew or certainly were not familiar with. And I was absolutely amazed at the mutual aid that was occurring out there. And of course, uh, uh, as a result of, of um, you know, offering you know, my time to volunteer within the medical wellness space, I, of course, subsequently you know, became engaged with street medics who had been working out there, some of, of whom had been providing this kind of aid uh, for many years and uh, had the opportunity to, to volunteer in that space, including the main medical yurt, providing you know, basic support and first aid and uh, was able to take my first 10-hour uh, bridge training. And sounds like we'll get into some more of those details uh, here later on. But I had the opportunity to take a training out there with some, some really remarkable people. Wow. Okay, excellent. How about you, Duck? How did you get involved with this work? So fairly, fairly similar story. Uh, a friend of mine is a nurse and wanted to head out to Standing Rock. Uh, and I had some interest in going as well. So we contacted the Medic and Healer uh, Council, which was the the organization that sort of oversaw the tribal organization that oversaw the protests uh, at Standing Rock, and we, you know, reached out and said, "Hey, uh, here's our skill set. Would we be useful? Do you want us to come? Uh, we don't want to be a burden. Is there anything you know we could do that would be helpful that wouldn't you know stretch resources that you already have uh, sort of stretched thin over there?" Um, and they said, "Yes, please come." Uh, so we showed up, and of course, my my friend who's a nurse just hit the ground running. Uh, I don't have a, a formal medical background. Um, so I was able to plug in and get a training at Standing Rock for that uh, purpose. And then um, we were able to work pretty closely with uh, tribal leadership to set up uh, like an emergency evacuation shelter. Uh, so I was there in, in December for several weeks and, you know, it was negative 35 degrees, 45 mile an hour winds. Um, and there were people still sleeping in tents um, outside. Uh, so very, very dangerous uh, uh, sort of weather conditions for those folks and it became pretty clear that while you know while everybody there really believed in the movement and was there uh, you know exercising their first amendment rights and protesting uh, uh, for environmental causes uh, that a, a significant portion of the folks who were there also didn't have a way to leave uh, they didn't have transportation uh, maybe they had a, a car or a truck but they didn't have money for gas uh, and so a lot of folks ended up being kind of stuck and tribal leadership was very concerned about uh, you know the wellness of the people that were uh, sort of under their care uh, while they were there protesting. So we were able to work alongside them to create a, a, an evacuation shelter that had, when I left, I think we had about 85 beds 
Um, we had a full kitchen that put out three hot meals a day. We were uh, the only uh, structure uh, within probably several hours that had uh, plumbing. So we had showers and we had wow. uh, flushable toilets. I tell folks that I arrived at Standing Rock at the precise moment uh, that the toilets left. Uh, so as we were turning into camp, a flatbed truck with the last porta johns was pulling out of camp because they don't work uh, when they're frozen. And it took them uh, it took them a week or two to dig through the frozen ground to put in composting toilets. Uh, so it was a little dicey there for a minute. So the the plumbing at the evacuation shelter ended up being uh, really important. Uh, but that was a that was a really wonderful experience. I mean, we were able to um, set up that shelter in a way that was in, was very holistic uh, with the care that was provided. So um, anybody that came in could have access to um, native care, indigenous care. We had uh, native healers, we had herbalists, uh, and then we also had you know sort of typical Western uh, medicine available as well. Doctors, nurses. Uh, we had the ability to prescribe um, antibiotics and steroids. Um, we had uh, social workers, licensed social workers, there on site with us. Uh, so I think the third day that the shelter opened, there was a native woman who came in um, and she walked right up to the white cis Western uh, uh, male doctor. And she said, I was sexually assaulted uh, last week and I have no way to get out of here. Um, and within three hours of her uh, arriving at the shelter, um, she had had a, a medical examination. She had a shower, she had a hot meal. She had spoken to a licensed therapist and she was sitting on a bus with a prepaid ticket uh, to go to her sister's house a couple hours away. Uh, so that's probably one of the proudest moments of my entire life um, was being able to do that work uh, at Standing Rock. And um, Atticus and I actually sort of serendipitously bumped into each other in the med tent uh, at Achete Sakawan. And I think I heard you mention Linden. And I was like, where are you from, buddy? Uh, <laughs> you're like, I'm from Columbus. And I was like, all right, me too. Uh, so we ended up getting in touch um, a couple months later after we both came back uh, and decided we wanted to continue the work uh, that we had done at Standing Rock here in Columbus. Yeah, that was one of my questions. How did you two meet? Because I, I recognize that you, you both work together quite often at The Current, um, what's going on in Columbus. And um, so that's how you met. How did you re-meet doing the work that you're doing now in, in Columbus? I think Atticus, you were already kind of doing a lot of that work, uh, providing first aid uh, protests and sort of community events. And I think I, I think I emailed you. I got your email at Standing Rock and I shot you an email and said, hey, let's have a conversation. How can I link up with you and the work, uh, some of the work that you're doing? Um, I remember the protests after inauguration uh, here in Columbus. Um, I went to those protests as a protester. And I believe Atticus, you were there as a medic. Um, and so I had seen you there and wanted to uh, link up with you and do that work. So we were able to connect after that uh, protest and talk about how to continue doing the work. And we've been medic partners uh, for the last four years. So tell, tell our listeners what's been going on in central Ohio um, <clears throat> since George Floyd's murder and how I know that there was a lot of turbulence, especially right in the beginning. Can you talk about some of the work that you've done as a medic in the front lines with, with these protests and what kind of injuries that you really had to face and faced yourself. Atticus, let's start with you. Yeah, um, first of all, it's, it's important in this line of work to have a partner that you trust, uh, someone you know has your back. Um, 
someone who uh, has shared in, in your same experiences. I think that's what connected Duck and I, obviously, was our mutual experience at Standing Rock, you know, simultaneously while they were supporting this emergency shelter, you know, we were still holding down the fort at the camp working to move people to that shelter. Um, and so while we may have not worked together, we very much shared in that experience together. So it worked out well, we moved back here to Columbus and neither of us you know, had a, a, a medical partner uh, to work alongside of. And at the time there was very little infrastructure here as far as um, street medicine or um, street medics. And so uh, we had worked together the last four years. So following the events of George Floyd, which of, poor, of course we all witnessed online and, and through the, the media, um, you know, we saw a, another unarmed black man in America murdered at the hands of police. We have provided medical care at a lot of events, very small and some more mainstream, but you could feel this coming to a tipping point. You could feel it boiling. And I think both of us understood what was going to, to come. Uh, certainly we, we couldn't necessarily anticipate the details, but we certainly felt it. And so when the first event was planned here in Columbus, the solidarity event, um, again, outside of a local street medic collective cosmic that exists here in Columbus, which, which has a few folks who show up for protests and demonstrations, Duck and I were, were, were one of the only ones that often appeared marked at events. And so uh, we came with our, our backpacks filled with what we had, our, our little red backpacks and our, and our fanny packs and some red tape and, um, you know, provided the kind of aid that we could. Of course, we would anticipate that thousands of people would turn out in the subsequent days following that first event. Um, and uh, I certainly can only speak to myself, did not anticipate the kind of response that we received from our local law enforcement, specifically the Columbus Police Department. I'll let Duck explain a little bit more some of the injuries um, you know, that we treated, but I can tell you that uh, what was remarkable was within, because I, I, I want to recognize the pain, the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual pain that people endure at these events and endured, particularly during the first couple of days experiencing the kind of violence at the hands of the state that they did. But I also want to talk about the remarkable response from our community, specifically those who, many of whom met Duck and I and wanted to know how they could get engaged in this work, wanted to know how they could provide the kind of aid that we were providing. Those who stepped up, who, who had no training, who just felt compelled by what they had seen to come out and support people who were out in the streets standing up for their rights, using their voice, and the amount the community stepped up to provide the necessary equipment that we needed to care for thousands of people who had, you know, come out to the streets, many of whom for the first time, I mean, we're talking, you know, pallets of donations and water and saline solution and gauze and granola bars and I mean, we could have filled a warehouse <laughs> with the amount of medical um, uh, supplies that we received. And so it really was a remarkable response from our community and the solidarity was, was, was beautiful to see from our community here in Columbus. So I'll, I'll hand it over to Duck 
to talk a little bit more about the bad side of it. <laughs> and uh, sorry, side, Doug, to put side. that on you. <laughs> the hard side and the good side, Doug. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, you know, that, that first night, Atticus and I, we went out just like we normally do. Uh, I think I asked you uh, at the start of the protest how many eye flushes you had, and you said like eight, and I think I had like six. And, uh, you know, we just did not anticipate uh, what ended up happening. Uh, you know, protesters had gathered at the intersection, uh, one of the main intersections downtown, and uh, the police ended up uh, sort of kettling everybody there, which means that they um, um, sort of blocked off uh, any escape route and kind of herded everybody into one big group. And then uh, for five or six hours, uh, we had tear gas and mace and pepper spray. I mean, sometimes every 10 minutes. And very quickly, uh, Atticus and I, and I think there were three other medics from uh, from Cosmic who were with us. There was about five of us total that night with uh, with a couple hundred protesters. Um, very, very quickly, we ran out of supplies. Uh, and, and the resiliency with, uh, with these protesters is, I mean, just remarkable. In the years that we've been doing this, I have never seen protesters take that amount of chemical exposure uh, and not waver. I mean, I treated the same man three times in 15 minutes because that's how often people were getting pepper sprayed. And as soon as his vision returned, he popped right back up and went back and held the line. I mean, there was no running away. There was no giving an inch. Um, it was remarkable. I have never seen determination and perseverance like that uh, uh, in the years that we've been doing this work. And like Atticus mentioned as well, you know, Columbus has a very long, terrible history of police violence. People don't realize it, but uh, our, our police, uh, our police department here, uh, they don't stop and frisk, they don't arrest, they don't shoot, they literally kill more black people uh, per capita than any police department in the country. And that has been true for the last like five years running. If they're not number one anymore, they're in the top three. So this battle, while it has been uh, more recently nationwide, uh, it has been raging in Columbus for years. Uh, and certainly not to the intensity that we've seen with the George Floyd protests, but nobody in those streets uh, was out there for the first time. Um, so it was, a, it was an absolute privilege and an honor uh, to stand with those folks and watch them make their stand and help them feel uh, you know, one shred of safety in that kind of environment. Um, so experiencing the level of, of chemical exposure that we got that night, uh, you know, we, we quickly ran out of supplies. We called uh, everyone we knew and asked for uh, any support, water, anything. Um, you know, we were very clear with the protesters at that point, hey, if you all choose to stay and continue to get pepper sprayed, we're not gonna be able to provide aid anymore. Not a single person left. Uh, but it was an extremely painful night. Uh, it was very, very traumatic. It was very, very scary. It was very clear. Uh, what side the state was on, and it was not on uh, the people's side at all. You know, that, that night ended with uh, a small number of people uh, breaking into the state house, and one of, those, one of those people was dragged out of a window uh, and cut up very badly and was thrown down uh, the state house steps and sort of landed in a pile of blood. And Atticus and I immediately ran over to provide aid. Uh, we're very promptly maced in the face, and as we ran away, uh, one of the officers shot Atticus in the leg with a concussion grenade. Uh, so this, this work should never be controversial. It should never be uh, uh, political to provide medical care to a person who needs it. Uh, and as we've seen across the country in recent months, uh, people are getting medics and, and legal observers and members of the press uh, are sustaining horrific injuries, attempting to, to do this work and support uh, rights that are enshrined in our constitution. Uh, so during that first week was when we saw the majority of the of the really bad uh, sort of physical injuries. 
Um, the worst ones that we saw were uh, results of projectiles. So we saw, um, you know, people with shattered elbows, people with multiple broken fingers, broken hands, head injuries. Um, you know, these projectiles, they're supposed to be used in a ricochet uh, method. That's how they're supposed to be deployed. Uh, the only way that they are considered to be less than lethal or non-lethal is if they are shot off the ground uh, first and they bounce up off the ground. They're supposed to hit you like in the shin or the knee. Uh, they're supposed to be used in situations where a person is, is advancing on a police officer uh, and they're attempting to slow down that advance or they're attempting to disperse a crowd. Uh, we saw multiple instances of police officers walking up to protesters sitting peacefully in the, sh in the streets and shooting them point blank in the torso. Uh, and that can absolutely kill you. That has killed people in the United States being shot directly in the torso with a, with a projectile. Uh, that's horribly damaging. Uh, that is not a non-lethal weapon anymore at that point. Um, we saw people being loaded into ambulances after experiences like that. Uh, and, you know, something that's important that people maybe forget is that when you call an ambulance, that ambulance, uh, EMS needs permission from the police department to come. Uh, so if police have declared an emergency in an area, they can say to that ambulance, it's too dangerous, you cannot come. Uh, so we called, I think, five or six ambulances that first week, and I think maybe two or three actually showed up. Uh, so it is extremely dangerous to be a protester in America right now. Uh, you are subjected to potentially life-threatening uh, situations with the possibility of no uh, help arriving. And that is why the role of street medic is so crucial uh, in making these protests more sustainable uh, and making democracy and exercising your First Amendment rights in America uh, a possibility. If other people want to do what you're doing, I understand there's not really an official website for them to to go to, to get information. But for those who are listening to this um, Grassroot Ohio episode with Duck Bardis and Atticus Garden, where, where can, who can they contact? And um, if you give me a contact, I will make sure it's on the Grassroot Ohio Facebook page um, with all the information and with the link for this. Yeah, um, there there are are uh, you know organized efforts uh, both nationally and and locally in, in cities uh, and and this isn't this is international work that should be clear this crosses you know city lines and state lines and borders you know you look at you know white hats you know uh, overseas you know evacuating you know parts of the Middle East you know where at any moment uh, you know a, an explosive or or you know bomb could could uh, you know could could uh, could destroy an entire block so you know if you look at you know events happening in Europe uh, you know you'll see uh, medics uh, street medics out in the streets providing care so this is far greater than just something happening here uh, nationally. With that being said, I think there's a couple things to consider first um, uh, before you'd find your way uh, into this line of work. First of all, it should be clear, um, there's an element of this work that's very flashy. Everybody loves, uh, every, everybody loves a medic. Uh, everybody loves someone with a red cross. Um, at, at our best, we're the helpers. With that being said, um, this work can be very um, mentally, uh, physically, and emotionally draining. And, and, and so it's extremely important uh, that those who engage in this work uh, have you know, some sort of emotional support you know, or network uh, for themselves. 
um, uh, because you won't last very long. It's, it's easy to get burnouts uh, in this. And that goes the same with those who are involved in planning direct actions, activists, protesters. Um, so with that being said, it's something to consider. Um, it should also be considered, I don't think this is the first job uh, should be your first job, you know, job of choice. You know, we each have a role in this movement and it's important to understand what our role is um, and consider what our role is in this movement. And, and so with that being said, if you're listening and you've never been to a protest, it's probably best first to just find yourself as a protester. Find yourself as someone, grab some cardboard, make a sign, show up, listen, learn, hear the calls to action. Um, and then process that, process what you feel your role is in this movement and understand it. There's a lot of roles. There's, you know, street medics, there's legal observers, there's uh, marshals, there's people who are willing to risk arrests. Uh, there's, you know, organizers who plan the actions. There's people who run a lot of, a lot of elements of these events behind the scenes. So understand what your role might be. So with that being said, here locally, Street medics uh, are, are, are kind of defined as those with varying degrees of medical certification. So doctors, nurse practitioners, nurses, paramedics, EMTs, those with very basic first aid, CPR, AED certifications. We have doulas, we have midwives, we have mental health experts, we have pastors for pastoral counseling. Uh, and so uh, it, there's really a wide range of certifications. And then we have those who just provide support roles. Uh, and so those who may not have any certifications who help us run supplies or you know, can help uh, pick up and drop off when needed. And so uh, with that being said, there's a role for everybody in the work of, of street medics. There is a formal 20 hour training uh, that is conducted uh, if you would like to be uh, a street medic, and if you have higher levels of uh, certifications, um, I believe it's it's a typically around like an EMT or above. You can take a 10-hour bridge training, uh, which kind of overlooks the medical training side of the the 20-hour training, uh, and goes more over the historical kind of elements of of street medics. And so, with that being said, that term street medic has a long-standing history in our country. It was coined more out of the civil rights movement when those participating in protests and demonstrations obviously were faced by much of the same violence we see now at the hands of the state then, you know, police dogs, water cannons, uh, batons. And if you were to, if you were even able to, to be provided medical care by city services during those events, you could, um, you could be arrested. Doc, please let us know where people can contact if they want to get more information. Thanks, Atticus. I appreciate it, but No worries. I understand. Uh, you can certainly email me. Uh, it's just my first name, Duck, D-U-C-K. My last name, B-A-R-D-U-S. It's DougBardus at gmail.com. Shoot me an email if you're interested. Uh, like Atticus mentioned, the 20-hour training is, uh, is typical for street medics. Uh, in the time of COVID, there's not a whole lot of opportunities to do that right now. Uh, the group that we're working with here in Columbus, we ask that you have basic first aid CPR certs, uh, and then we'll try and fill in the gaps. Thanks so much, Atticus. Thanks so much, Doc, for doing you. what you do and for being on Grassroot Ohio. Thanks, Thanks Carolyn. You've been listening to Grassroot Ohio, 94.1 FM, WGRN.org. We air Friday nights at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and you can listen to all our previous shows archived on the top post of our Grassroot Ohio Facebook page. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.